0: today I, I know of you know just like you guys excited again for the opportunity to, to be into the house of god and just for god just to pour into us right i mean we we can we have so many different things in our lives that kind of pour into us but it's nothing quite like when god pours into us amen, amen. right something that tangible you know it's that 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 food it's that that energy it's that wow you know factor that kind of hits you and it's like You leave here and you feel like, you know what? God has spoken. God has done something. Well, that's my intent this morning as you leave here is to understand that you have left here different than the way you came in. I know, really cliche, right? Like churches say that all the time. Pastors say that all the time. But believe it or not, we actually mean it, okay? We really mean it. That you get to leave here with something that you can apply to your life to help you through those storms of life. I mean, let's... Let's ask ourselves this question. You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise it for you, okay? But how many's going through a storm? Think about that for a second, right? Yeah, okay, we got a couple people that are going to go against the flow anyway. Awesome, all right? So, you know, we've got things that we go through in life. But, you know, people watch us, don't they? They do. They watch us. You watch people all the time. And people are watching you all the time. I've got two little guys that watch me like a hawk. You know, as their father, it's my responsibility to act and respond and communicate everything that lines up exactly how God would want me to in Scripture. And chances are I fail at that miserably every single day. Okay, I'm glad everyone else lives a perfect life (laughs) because that's exactly what happens. I fail at it miserably every single day. But I think there's often times where. God just really speaks to us sometimes into people's lives, especially our family, especially the people that we're closest with, especially the people that we consider our really tight-knit group of friendships, the coworkers. Uh, watch this. You know, some of the people who don't like you the most are the ones who watch you the most. Yeah. Yeah. It's important for you and I that when we leave this world, we can understand that we have done something, that we have left what? A legacy, a legacy. Now, I'm going to give somebody a little credit here this morning. who made a, a comment in the, in the lobby, and, and I, I said I wasn't going to give him any credit, and I said I wasn't even going to say the comment that he, that he gave, but it was really some truth to it. When you leave this world, you're going to leave one of two legacies. You're going to either leave a good one or you're going to leave a bad one. Think about that. Mr. Todd, tell us congratulations. All right. You're going to either leave a good legacy or you're going to leave a bad legacy. Well, my job as your pastor is to hopefully when you leave this world and you've passed on, that you can leave a legacy where others can say, you know what, that was a man or that was a woman who truly followed after the heart of God. That's an individual who truly went after God with all that they had, with all that was inside of them. Even in their flaws, they still, you ever met somebody who just couldn't admit to their failings? They've done something wrong, but yet they won't admit to it. Yeah, isn't that that irritating? That is extremely irritating. But as a Christ follower, you know what? I can admit my wrongdoings. Here's what we need to understand this. We need to live our lives in such a way Where our lives will make a difference. Think about that. Living your life in such a way that your life will make a difference in people. Listen to this. We are all hardwired to do just that. Every one of us. We are hardwired. We are going to leave something once we leave this earth. Today, we're kind of continuing the, the, the sermon series and, and the motivation with what the Bible uses over and over again with regard to legacy. But we're going to talk about a particular topic this morning concerning what all of us should be aiming for, what all of us should be going after, and that's heaven. Understanding that the world that we live in here is so short compared to the eternal existence. That every one of us have. Watch this. There is more to this life. Than this life. Whoa wait a minute. That's, that's deep pastor. That's, there's more to this life. Can somebody please check the AC units for me. Because it's pretty roasting. I see, I see you. I see you. I, I'm doing it too alright. There's more to this life. Than this life. You know. Um, as, a, as a dad. And. Um, I was sitting there yesterday, and, and uh, many of you saw my Facebook post. Uh, Carter is playing football this year. Flag football. We're, we didn't do the tackle. We're trying to get the fundamentals down. And he's a six-year-old on an on a, on a, on a offense or, or a, a team full of eight-year-olds. He's behind the ball here a little bit, all right? But his coach thinks that he's going to be the next Tom Brady. I pray the Lord he is in a good way. All right? But anyway, so he's got this responsibility. He's not the quarterback. He's a wide receiver. And here's the dad in me. I'm, I'm sitting there. I take him to the practices twice a week. And I'm sitting there watching the practice. And I see what they're doing. And I, and, and I told my wife, every practice keeps getting further and further in. It keeps, it's getting more complicated for him. But yet they're still leaving him with the older boys. And, and in me, fear overcomes because I'm like, he's going to disappoint. He's going to do something completely wrong. And I can't, I, he can't do that. I'm a sports fanatic. He must do everything perfect. <laughs> so here's what I do. We go out, school's done. You know, he's, he's done his homework. We go out in the yard and we go over the plays. And we go over the plays. And we go over the plays. And we go over the plays that are his plays, his responsibility. And so we're out there the other day and we're going over him and he had him down pat. I was confident. I knew that Saturday, when Saturday rolled around, he was not going to mess up. He was going to do exactly what he was. I was like, boom, I'm proud dad right now. Sure enough, the first play called to him. His responsibility, what does he do? The exact opposite thing. And I'm going, oh my gosh. And I could tell the anxiety inside of me began to build up and the disappointment and the heartache in that moment. And I had to set myself back for a second and go, first of all, Kevin, he's six years old. It's not that big of a deal. Secondly, there's more to this life than this life. Think about that. If that's the worst thing I got to deal with on a Saturday, I'm doing pretty darn good, right? Watch this. Your life. Has barely even begun. Your existence. Has barely even scratched. The surface. We're really putting some things into perspective this morning. Some of you are looking at people across the way. And you're like uh uh-uh, uh Pastor Kevin. I see them over there. They're much older than me. They're, you know, you're not understanding here. Alright. It's just beginning for you. The Bible uses the topic of heaven to describe all generosity. Understand this, that one day we will all stand face-to-face with God. If you recall last Sunday, we talked about those two judgments. We talked about the one where we'll stand before the judgment seat of of the Lord, or the great white throne judgment is the first one, actually. And we'll stand before God, and, and, and the books will be there. And we understood that there was... The books and then what? The book, right? Remember, the books and the book. And we all think, well, the books must obviously be the Lamb's book of life where all of the names of those who are Christ's followers would fall into. However, the books represents every sin that you have ever committed. Think about that. Some of you got a lot of books, huh? I got a lot of books. Think about that. But... Where we truly want our name is in what? The book. Which is what? The Lamb's book of life. Now understanding that that is what we call the grace judgment. That is where we understand where Jesus died on the cross for our sin. And the only thing that we have a responsibility of doing is accepting what he paid for you and I. It's the easiest purchase Or transaction that we on our side will ever have to do. It's simple. We give our life. But then we understand the other judgment. The other judgment is where the rewards were given due to the works that we are involved in. A lot of times they say, well, works doesn't really matter if you make it to heaven or not. That's true. It doesn't. Works have Nothing to do whether or not you get into heaven. The only thing that has to do with whether or not you make it to heaven is what? Jesus Christ. Accepting Jesus Christ. But the works are the rewards. They result the rewards. I'm going to show you two places in Scripture today as to why heaven is used as motivation and why it needs to be a focus in your life. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verses 17 to 19. And this is interesting because Paul is, is, is with this. Uh, he's, he's actually writing a letter here to, to Timothy, who is a pastor in this moment. He says this, <clears throat> command those who are rich. In other words, you won't even have to tell the others because they, they have little and are highly vested in eternity. There's a special emphasis placed on the rich here. He's saying command those who are rich, not saying anything about those who are, who are hungering and thirsting, not saying any of those who are not well off because understanding that they're investing or they're vesting into eternity already. But watch this. Command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. I want to stop there first moment. He says, in this what? Present world. That puts things into perspective a little bit because we know that there's a present world that we're living in, but we also know that there's a future world ahead of us. All right? Put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but whether to put their hope in what? Who? God. Put their hope in who? God. Who richly provides us with everything. For our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and what? Willing to share. In other words, God is giving you. He well, first of all, He has richly blessed every one of us. And I'm not talking about just financial here. Think about that. I'm richly blessed with a wonderful, beautiful, awesome wife. She's sitting right here, whose birthday was last Sunday, and I didn't make an announcement about that, and a couple people actually got mad at me over that, so sorry. (laughs) I am richly blessed with a great family. And watch this. It's my responsibility to share them with who? You. They need to impact your life in some way, and I need not to hold them back from doing so. God has richly blessed me, watch this, and, and, and I recognize this, with an ability to talk. I can talk. I can talk to that wall if you want me to. And he has given me a responsibility to do so in such a manner that I must share it with you. You can look at your life and you can find the things of what richly God has blessed you with. Some of you you, you, you have talents that you would say, well, they really don't pertain to the church. Listen, uh-uh. If God has given it to you, God is wanting you to use it to grow and make a difference in people's lives that you're around every single day. Some of you are surfers. I just looked at you, Teddy Daisy. I'm sorry. It just, bam, popped out, you know. You can use it, you know. Some of you are cooks. You can use it. Some of you are laborers. You can use it. Some of you are business owners. Use it. Some of you are just your your, your housewives, your homemakers. Use it because you're developing the future generation. Some of you are teachers. I understand what the rules are, but you can still demonstrate the love and compassion of God and Jesus Christ. We can find creative ways to take the things that God has given us and bottled up with inside of us and begin to use it. To make a difference in the world that we live in today. Think about it this way. Our prayer time and our prayer life should probably reflect this. Lord, the things that you have given me. The abilities, the talents, watch this, the interests. Show me, God, how I can use them to make a difference in the people that I'm surrounded with every day. See, we, we often think that the only way that we can do it is, is by preaching or, or teaching or or being able to play an instrument or, or, or being able to have a, a good voice to sing, which I'm not knocking all of that because all of that is very important. But it's not the only thing. God wants to use you in what you do best to do his work, which is what? Best. Think about that. The scripture goes on to say, In this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life understanding this, that there's a life after this life and you will want to invest more into what? That life than this one. We're only here for a short time. We need to invest in the eternal life. And I'm not talking about just you for your own well-being. I'm talking about how you can make a difference for others to invest in their lives. So that one day... When they come to those judgment seats before the Lord, that God can look at them and say, You know what? I don't see you in the books. I can't find your name. I see your name in the book, the Lamb's Book of Life. So here's why we need to direct our lives toward eternity. Number one, because heaven and not earth is my home. Because heaven and not earth. Is my home. Understanding that we are not living here, but we are merely just passing through. You're not citizens of the United States of America per se, you're citizens of the kingdom of God. That's who you are. That is your bloodline. That is your nationality. That is your makeup. One of the healthiest things that I can give you is that I know that it can be tough understanding that. It could be tough understanding it, but it's so important for us to grasp that, that our moment here is only but a moment in the existence of your eternal. But we should all understand that we are citizens of the kingdom of God, if we are a Christ follower. Now, John chapter 14, and I apologize. I don't have those scriptures. I don't think I gave them to you, but that's okay. It's all good. But in the first six verses, there's a passage where the disciples come up to Jesus. They're kind of depressed. Um, they're discouraged, and but watch, watch what happens here. It says Jesus saying, "Don't let your hearts be troubled." Okay, yeah, we have it. That's awesome. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now. You would think that because of that, he would come up to say, because I have all the answers for you, I'm going to take everything for you. But it says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Okay, let's go to the next verse. But watch this. He says, my father's house has what? Many rooms. And I'm going to what? Prepare a place for you so that when I get there, you can be there Where?" With me. With me. Every time they came with an earthly problem, he always came back with the eternal solution. So, why have the anxieties, the anxiousness, and the worrisome that we have when we know that we're not citizens of this world But we're truly just citizens of the kingdom of God. And my eternal existence here on this earth is for but a mere moment when it boils down to the length of eternity. The real solutions of your life, and we will pray, but the real solutions to your life are not here, but they are there. Because why? We're passing through. Now watch this. Here's a scripture. Paul said this. While he was in prison, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. He says, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Well, we'll stop right there and look around. i fall into that category quite a bit myself. Their glory is in their shame. Watch this. Their mind is on what? Earthly things. But our citizenship is where? In heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, in other words, the world's God is an indulgence and and an enjoyment. Glory is their shame, the scripture mentioned, and their mind is merely on earth, but we as Christ followers understand that our mind and our heart needs to be focused on our eternal existence, which is in heaven, which is with the Father. So here's the second reason as to why we need to refocus our energies and our passions toward eternity. Number two, because the watch this line is longer than the dot. Think about that for a minute. The line is long. What do you mean? Your life is a dot. Your existence is a line that never ends. I'm really trying to place this in perspective for you this morning. So you can kind of understand how important it is for us. Not only in our personal relationship with God and with Christ, but in our personal responsibilities to leave and to live a legacy lifestyle To where we're making a difference in people's lives. Because we're looking at them. Not for who we see. But we need to begin to look at people. For what their eternal existence. Could be. Or rather should be. The Bible praises people. With with the great life of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. Is a great example of that. We see whole kinds of people. That are are listed in, in 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 their faith. Walk but. Hebrews 11, verses 14 through 16 says this. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. They were after a far better country than that, heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. Are you a great person of faith? Think about that for a moment. Are you a great person of faith? Do you have that faith in the God that we stand here and say that we are worshiping? We are to leave a legacy. I want my kids one day when I'm past and gone and grandkids and and, and whatever to be able to look back and see my life and reflect upon it and go, you know what? I don't know that I would be where I'm at today if it wasn't for him and the sacrifices that he made and the life that he represented and, and the relationship that he had with God and how it's boiled over or, or rather came over into my lifestyle. Does that make sense? I look at my grandfather who, and, and I mentioned this to you last week, he was a great pastor, a great preacher. And, 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 and I realize a lot of similarities between him and I and not of the great preaching because he was great. but And, and the similarities, of, we, we could both talk to a wall. You know what I mean? We can just find people. We can talk to them. We can build a relationship. We can, you know. And, and I realize it's a legacy that he, he passed on through, through my family and, and my parents t- to myself. And I hope that I can leave that on to my children. But more importantly, I look at, and I'm so thankful that I was raised in a home where God was the center focus. Where coming to church was a priority. Or understanding that a relationship with Jesus was more important than a religion of Jesus. And I can look how my parents raised me and and the qualities and the morals and the biblical principles that they put into my life every single day. And maybe I never appreciated it like I should have in those moments. But as I look back now, I appreciate it so much for the strictness sometimes. I appreciate it so much for sitting down and having family time and we would have devotion. I appreciate it so much that I look back and I go, I just hope that I can pass that down to my children. If I were to go through here and each one of you this morning, you could all probably point to something where someone has left something down to you. We look at the Bible and the Bible is full of legacy. The Bible was written to us so we can take that legacy in our own lives and apply it and to do those things. To do the things of the, of the great people of faith that Hebrews chapter 11 speaks about. God believing that we're going to take those examples and those representations of how those great men and women of the Bible. And when they faced the storms of life and they faced the issues that they took on the great faith and, and they believed in the great truth and They were able to be world changers and hopefully that you and I could be a world changer as well, just like they were. The next thing we we look at, number three, is this. Because there's limited time and incredible opportunity. Every one of us here, we have limited time. Limited time. And I'm not trying to be depressing here, but we have limited time in regards to our existence here on this earth. But we have an incredible opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. We have an incredible opportunity to disciple people. We have an incredible opportunity to share the message of Jesus Christ. We understand that the Great Commission, and it's not commissions, it's what commission, it's singular, not plural, tells us to do one thing. That's to spread the gospel throughout all this earth to all corners of it so that every man and woman, boy, girl, will be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Watch this. That responsibility is left up to you and me. If all we do within our relationship with Jesus Christ is come on a designated time on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening and sit in a chair and hear a message, And do nothing throughout the week with what we've heard on how we can impact others' lives. We're missing it. I'm failing you as a pastor. We have a great responsibility. We have an incredible opportunity to reach people for God. Now think about this for a moment. Are you glad for those who poured into your life, Jesus Christ, Before you made the commitment to Jesus Christ. Think about that. Are you appreciative of it? Are you glad for it? Well, if you're sitting here today and you're a Christ follower. You should just be full of excitement. Because someone cared enough to what? Share Jesus with you which forever did not change your existence here on earth, but what forever changed your existence in where? Eternity. Your eternal existence. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 16 says this. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as what? Wise. Watch this. I love this. Making the most of every opportunity... Because the days are evil. Self-indulgence at the time is helping the enemy. What I mean by that is this. When we become selfish with our time, with our resources, when we become selfish with Jesus, when we become selfish with the riches that he has generously given us, then we are wasting our time. And, and the enemy loves that. He's loving the fact that he can get you so caught up in other activities that are all about you. He, he, he will make opportunities happen to distract you from doing what you ultimately were designed to do. Now, we watched through the book of Daniel where we had several examples of young men. And we watched them through their life in different areas as they became older. But there was something very common with them all, and it was this. They all predetermined, predetermined what their faith was going to be, predetermined that they were going to be strong. Some of us in this room this morning, we must become predetermined that we're going to leave a legacy that is going to outlive us in such a way that generations beyond this moment, generations to come, will become impacted because of what you are pouring in to people's lives. Number four, because it's smart. Jesus used this motivation in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He says this. And I love it. I love the parables of Jesus. You know, if Jesus, if Jesus is talking, we, we definitely need to pay attention, amen? Right? That's awesome. Matthew 6 says this, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where what moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Some of you, you want to know more of God, then serve God. Wait a minute. I do serve him. No, serve him. Serve him. You know, the the best example is is given when when she kneels down before the feet of Jesus and begin to wash his feet and what? A servant's heart. As a pastor, I know the metaphor that, and I said this last week, the metaphor that the, the, the scriptures give of my job as a shepherd, but I see it more as a servant. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to prepare you for hopefully your eternal existence. I'm here to help you in the life application of the scriptures, to help you live stronger relationship with Jesus Christ and the decisions that you're making. But I have a responsibility to, to serve God, not just a relationship. And, and I'm not the relationship is the most important You've got to have a relationship before you can serve. In other words, God, what can I do to help build your kingdom? God looks at each and every one of you as his son and his daughter. You are the apple of his eye. He is looking to show favor upon your life. And it's my responsibility to serve you. It's your responsibility to what? Serve one another. When we serve each other, who are we serving? God. God, you know, as a parent, I've seen kids before, you know, a kid will make fun of another kid and, 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 and you're just like, you you hate that. But when a kid comes up to another kid and, and, and praises them and, you know, hey buddy, you know, high five or great job or something like that. what you become proud in that moment, it brings joy to your heart in that moment. I think it the same way with God. When we serve one another, we're doing just that. It brings joy to his heart. He looks upon us with what? Favor and blessing and excitement. I think that's pretty remarkable. Watch this in the scripture. Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21 says, and Jesus telling this parable. He says, the ground of a certain man yielded, a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I will build what? Bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty, plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) Some of you are like, man, I wish I had that opportunity right now. Watch this. But God, don't you love it? But, But God. You see that in scripture. You know things are about to change. You know something's about to, you know, hit the wall. Don't you love it when you have a plan? But God jumps in. It's like, seriously? Here we go. But God said to him, you fool. When God calls you a fool. You better listen. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? For you yourself. This is how it be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. In other words, the rich man got richer. Everything that he got was my, my grain, my crop, my barn. Understand, everything you have does not belong to you. God has merely lent it to you as a resource. That's it. Every piece of clothing, every financial matter, even your children, your your spouse, nothing belongs to you. Everything belongs to God. So who are we to say what we're going to do with what God has given us? We have no earthly and we have no eternal authority to do so. Pastor, that's pretty harsh. It's a reality and it's a truth. Everything you had, you said, but I worked so hard for that. No, God gave you the ability and the resources to gain it. Amen. Now it's for you to do something with it in return to build his kingdom. Everything you have, nothing belongs to you. So God, what do I do? What do you want me to do with this stuff, God? Have we prayed that prayer? Have we done that? Have we, have we had that prayer where we go, God, I realize now the light bulb has gone off. The veil has been taken up. up. The blinds are open. I get it. Everything I have doesn't belong. What do I do now? Number one, give myself to God. I become rich toward God by giving myself to God. John Bonnell wrote, uh, quoted, this is a quote from him. He says this, If one first gives himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. Do a quick inventory. If one gives himself to the Lord, giving is easy. In other words, this, that's when we reflect and we realize everything I have does not belong to me. God, what do you want me to do with it? How can what I have better and grow your kingdom. The talents, the abilities, the material things that I have, the financial means that I have. You know, if we ever find ourselves where we're giving and we do it with like, oh, I'm doing it because I have to, <laughs> got to check yourself right there. You've got to find out where's our priority. Are we doing what we're supposed to? Well, here's a scripture. First um, Corinthians chapter 6, 19 through 20 says, You are not your own. Time out. So we understand that everything that we own, everything that we have, does not belong to us. Right? We get that. Now the scripture takes it a step further and says, you're not your own. You don't even own you. you. You don't even own you. You have no right to make a decision without seeking God first. Think about that. That should mind blow you right now. You are not your own. Okay, let me finish. I, apparently, I'm more passionate about this scripture. You are not your own. Apparently, it was spoken to me. I, God's trying to get me in. But you, why? Because you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with what? Your bodies. Mm-hmm honor him we understand we got to honor him with everything we own everything about us now i lord really i got to honor you with me yes yes second thing act like a steward and not an owner because after all you don't own anything anyway sorry you're managing everything on his behalf your life your time your family your own ideas are not yours you don't own them they're his You are not an owner, but you're rather the manager of your life. So, Lord, what would you have me do? Psalm 24 and 1. Watch this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So our prayer should be what? Lord, what would you have me do? What do you want me to do, God? I love this in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says this. But remember the Lord your God. I like that, remembering, as if we forgot. Sometimes we do, don't we? Sometimes we we get bad news and we forget about God. Sometimes you get great news and you think you did it on your own and you what? Forget about God. It says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to what? Produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is, as it is, Today, In other words, God has given you the ability. He has put the very breath in your lungs, and he has given you every single idea. And now I realize that not only does God own everything, all of creation, every bit of creation. You know, man did not invent the speaker. It was God who invented the speaker. God used man. Think about that. You did not invent something. You did not start a family. God started a family through you. Everything that has ever been in existence has an eternal plan when it comes to the kingdom of God. When we start to think this way and we start to open our minds like this and say, God, let me see everything through your eyes and not my own now. understanding that all of this is you. It changes our perspective. It changes the way we see things. It changes how we handle situations. Number three, view everything through the lens of eternity. I've done that a lot lately. I'm not exactly sure why, but I've done that personally in my life a lot lately. Maybe it's because I'm into this study and it's forcing me to, right? But I've been looking at life and I'm going, How am I impacting? What what am I doing? And and then I look at the things that that I have, and I'll tell you a stupid story. I got a phone here that won't charge right. Gets on my nerves. Has anybody got a cell phone that just gets on your nerves, right? I mean, I got to have the thing, like, plugged in, upside down, twisted, and a book laying on top just right in order for it to charge. You know, it's like three or four four, um, days of the week, i you know, i charge it at night, and i do that whole routine, and then I'll go in the morning, and it's like 1%. Do you know how angered I become inside? I become very frustrated. So I had this bright idea the, day, the other day. I'm going to go to the Verizon store. We're going to remedy this problem because they got the new iPhone 8. I thought, I'm going to get me an iPhone 8, right? So I go in, and, and I heard from somebody else that they had a good deal, and they got a nice trade-in for theirs. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a good trade-in. I'm good with it. You know, I'll walk in there, sit down, ladies, across the counter, and she's, uh, uh, you know, I tell her what I want, and she's like, oh, yeah, we can, we can definitely hook you up for that. And I was like, all right, great. And we're going through everything. We're going through, you know, getting ready to transfer things over to this phone, and we're going through all this mess. And then she goes, oh, but the price. And I was oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about the price. What's the price? <laughs> I'm just automatically thinking I'm going to get the deal of a lifetime because, you know, I don't know, because they did. So she, she's sitting there, and she tells me, the supposed deal. And I was like, oh, that's not a deal at all. That's just retail. And she's like, well, yeah, but I, well, I can give you a credit for your phone. And I was like, your old phone. And I was like, oh, okay, good. So you can give me a credit for this phone and knock it off the price deal. No, it's just gotta be a store credit. I don't want a store credit. I walked out of there and I said, you know what? I, I was very nice to her though. I, was, I, I didn't do a Pastor Thorne, you know, you know Pastor Thorne would have done. Yes. Yes. I didn't take the phone and chuck it across the That's awesome. Y'all y'all had to call him this week and tell him I used him in a, an example. And uh, I didn't have a weed eater moment, right? And and so and, and so I looked at her, I said, Well you know what? I'm I'm gonna keep keep my phone. And she's like, Well, you know, we're, they're not gonna have any more deals like that. I said, Well, I'll just wait till the thing just never charges again and then I'll have to do something, you know? And I walked out and I was Mad! I was ticked. I was like, "You got to be kidding me! I, I don't understand. Like, why this thing? Why can't they do that for me?" And, and I had to. And it hit me. It was like, "This really has nothing to do with my eternal existence." So why am I so worried about a stupid phone? Why am I so worried about a you know a car with the ABS light that's on? That's me. I've had a week. Let me tell you. Okay. <laughs> The the sliding doors won't open because my ABS sensor is out. I'm just not happy about that either. It's because it's a minivan, Larry. Minivan. All right? That's where I'm at right now. This has become a counseling session. Uh, (laughs) But when you look at it, you know, i got to look at things through the lens of eternity. All this stuff just really doesn't matter. All these earthly possessions, they just really don't matter. The only thing that matters is my eternal existence with God. The only thing that matters is your eternal existence with God. And it's our responsibility to make sure we all have that eternal existence with God and not hog it up and be selfish on ourselves. So it leads us into this. Well, let me go to the scripture right quick. Hebrews eleven twenty-five 25 through 26 says this. Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Understand, grace—the the, the, the understanding that the disgrace, rather, for uh, living for Jesus, is of greater value than the treasure that the world could offer him. That's very important for us to understand. It doesn't matter what the reputation that the world can offer for you if it causes you to stumble in your relationship with Christ. Fourthly, and this is the last point, so I don't know where he's at. Four, be intentional. Meaning this, predetermine your resources, predetermine your time. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse seven says this, I want each of you, to take plenty of time to think it over and to make up your mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. Watch this. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. Now, oftentimes we use that when the financial aspect, but I'm not, that, that ties in with the financial. Yes, understand that. But it ties in with us giving our lives to each other us giving our resources to each other, us giving our time, our means, us giving us to one another. God is really, in my opinion, wants us to invest in eternity. To invest in eternity, understanding that it is my responsibility to invest in my wife's eternal existence. It's my responsibility to invest in your eternal existence. It's your responsibility to invest in one another as well, in the eternal existence. So what are you doing to impact other people's lives? Let's ask ourselves that question. What are we doing or what are you doing, make it very personal, to impact someone's life for Jesus Christ? Are you still waiting for God to open up that golden opportunity? I think God has opened that golden opportunity over and, over and over and over and over and over again. We just choose not, we don't like it that way. That way makes me a little uncomfortable. That way makes me, uh, I know, I'm, I'm not willing to do that. I'm not willing to do that. Well, we need to become willing, plain and simple. You need to become willing. You know, taking the kid's glove, baby gloves off here for a second, it's time to live that responsible life to do what the scriptures have charged us and told us to do. And that is to reach into people's lives and give them Jesus. Give them Jesus. You know, here at this church, we're, we're, we're beginning this thing called Dream Teams coming up very, very soon where we're gonna, each ministry is gonna be a team and we're gonna have new teams that we've never had before. And we're gonna take what we have what we're enjoying right now, the gospel within these walls, and we're going to go further out into this community and into the shore and make a huge difference. God is challenging me as your pastor to challenge you to say, and I've already said I'm willing to step up, I'm willing to do what it's necessary to reach people for Jesus Christ. Are you? Are you willing to do it? Think about that. Are you willing to engage? Are you willing to have that uncomfortable moment where, you have to have a com- where you're gonna have a conversation with someone about Jesus? And you might predetermine in your mind, I, I know this is a waste of time. I know this is a wasted moment, but you know what? God's charging me too, so I'm gonna do it. What if that person from that conversation makes a commitment to the Lord? Wow, it wasn't a waste after all, was it? but watch this. Maybe they don't. Maybe it takes six months, maybe a year, maybe five years later, but they reflect back to that conversation that maybe you felt uncomfortable having with them about Jesus Christ. Maybe God's challenging you to to give something to someone. You see somebody has a financial need and Maybe you felt in your heart God leading you. Some of you have been saying, Lord, I've been been waiting for a sign for you to give me if I'm supposed to give that. There's your sign. Do it. God's speaking to you. Bless them.